Welcome back to 12 Ounces of Sobriety Podcast. My name's Pat Sharp, and I will be joined here shortly by my co-host Carson Woodell. We are doing an interview on Zoom today, and Carson's just joined me on Zoom, uh, which we'll get to here in just a second. Uh, Before the interview, please, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, drop down, give us five stars. As always, you can find us on uh, Twitter or Instagram at 12 Ounces of Sobriety Podcast, or you can email us at 12 Ounces Sobriety Pod at gmail.com. As always, we appreciate it and enjoy the interview. All right, we are welcomed with Lindsay. Um, I actually met Lindsay on Twitter uh, or X now, and, and you guys hear me talk a lot about how the recovery space on, on Twitter and X uh, is very strong and powerful, and, and we had connected there. She's a certified addiction counselor. She also has a YouTube channel um, that she'll talk about a little bit, too, where you can uh, find all kinds of good stuff. Lindsay, how are you today? Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm pretty good today. Pretty good. So first thing we always ask our guests, how long have you been clean and sober? Okay, so it's been a rough, (laughs) it's been a rough journey, but I, 2013 is when I entered recovery. And then after four years, I relapsed and got sober again. So 2016. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Carson and myself have both had rough patches as well, and uh, so we 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 know how that goes with starting and stopping <laughs> yeah. a few times. We we started our our first episode this year, Lindsay, because uh, we had taken a hiatus because I relapsed. Oh um, yeah. So the first like our kickoff for this year was me sharing my relapse story. I I entered recovery last year for the first time. Uh, cool. it's April of 2021 or 2022. So I was super fresh. Pat told me a lot of things that I didn't listen to and, you know, <laughs> it, it happened. So, so, you know, coming up on 11 months here, but I just wanted to say, Hey, we get it. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and it's a lot of times part of the journey. It's pretty crazy, right? How often that seems to be the case for a lot of us. Yeah, that's I've been using it as a tool to help others because I man, when I went out, I didn't think I was gonna be able to come back. It was like it was pretty bad. It was like worse than I was doing stuff I had no idea. Like what like I would never do that, right? So I I tell people I say, Hey, from experience, relapse is not a requirement. Right. And you know, so take us back 2013. Where were you? As far as your headspace of I have to get help, I have to get clean. Where you know, take us kind of through that yeah. process a little bit, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah, of course. Um uh okay, so there's a lot there's a lot in there. Um, so I went to prison in 2012 to 2013. And so that's kind of like where my where my big like moment was to where I'm like, okay, you know, I always, I wanted to be sober. Like I had been using hard drugs at at 24. Like I was 24 when I first got sober. Um, and I'd already been arrested 11 times in and out of psych wards, um, like getting in so much trouble. And so I ended up in prison and it was like, I didn't want to do that. You know, like I would be, I was a blackout drunk and I would 
I would get violent and I would do things. So it was like, it was like kind of accumulating to this point of where like already at 24, I'm like, oh my God, I'm like destroying my life. And I don't want to be like this. Like I knew that that was not me. It was like, I knew that there's something more for me and I have to get, I have to stop. Like, I know there's a way I can do it. And so when I went to prison and it was like an abstinence for a year, you know, and I didn't understand anything about addiction really yet. It was just like dry time, I guess. Right. Like a year dry time. And I'm like, when I get out, I'm going to be clean and sober. Like nobody, (laughs) you know, like nothing's going to happen. And new me. Yeah. It's a new me. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how it was. And I'm like kind of cocky, you know? And, um, I remember I like, I have my journal from there and it's all like, Oh, the, the sky's beautiful. And like, yeah, it's, it's, it was great. Like I really thought like I was rehabbing myself, you know, like in prison, (laughs) it sounds so crazy now, but, um, but yeah, I got out and within like a week or two, like when drug dealers over and I'm like, I could use one pill. Like I can go back to, this point but it it isn't there anymore like instantly I was back old Lindsay was back and and that was it and then so what happened is I realized like I can't stop like I couldn't like I'm like how did I end up in this space if I went a whole year without anything and I like my mind obviously can't keep me clean like something's wrong so I I called rehabs like my mom had really good insurance and that that was back in the day when you're under 26. And I went to West Palm, (laughs) went to treatment. That's where it started. Yeah. You know, it's funny, as you had mentioned, like you said, oh, you know, just one pill. And it's crazy how that does our, you know, the addiction disease gets us like that. You know, my first relapse was I'll be fine just having one beer. And then a 12 pack later, I was like, well, you know, then I went like the next day and didn't drink. And I was like, okay, well, now tonight i'm literally just gonna have one beer i know i said that the other night but then i had 12 and then of course i had 12 again and it's so hard to realize that your brain is tricking you into picking up yeah yeah i um i try to when i try to explain it doesn't happen all the time but when i have conversations with people or friends or whoever it is and they ask me about my journey and oftentimes it, it it stemmed from maybe like an event where someone is drinking. Um, and I do understand what, before I say this, that everyone truly is different. There are some people that just can't be around alcohol, like just any way, shape or form. That is too much of a trigger for them. For me, it's not necessarily the same. It's, hey, listen, like if you want to drink, like I'm not going to choose to go to a club, right. but it, but inevitably when alcohol is around me, weddings and baby shower and all the stuff, right? Work events. I try to tell people, I say, listen, like it's hard to explain it unless you felt this before, but me watching you drink a beer or drink a cocktail or glass of wine, it doesn't really do much for me. It is the reason I stop is because I know that if I have one sip, it is all back full force. And so I just, yeah, I, I, it's the strangest thing. But it's like we know, and it sometimes it, it's a rough path. We have to go through some some tough stuff um, to realize that we're just not wired the same way. And it's just it's so baffling, but it's just the truth. And so it's like, all right, well, what are we going to do about it? Well, we're going to be addiction therapists and do a podcast, whatever, you know, like because that's how <laughs> we do it. That's how we roll. And it's good that 
we're all doing this thing together though. Yeah. And you had mentioned Carson just mentioned, how are we going to do it? So, you know, you go to rehab, you get out of rehab. And I know, like you said, when you get out of prison within a week, you had your drug dealer over. So what boundaries did you find yourself setting up when you got out of rehab to say, Hey, I, this is what I need to do to be successful. Good question. So I'm very big on this. This is like a big part of my message that it, you hear, you hear about reservations. People talk about like, I had to get rid of my reservations. So I, I really, that really resonated with me. And it's something that I still talk about all the time because I had to cut off everything that old me was going to be reminded of drugs and alcohol by. So like I changed my phone number. Not, not that I had all these friends, like I had using friends and like, they didn't even like me. Like, and I didn't like them, you know, we were just getting in trouble. Um, and so that wasn't a problem. I, I didn't have any real friends at that point. Um, so I started all over. It was like new phone number, um, kind of alone. And then I went to AA. Um, I was forced to go there, forced at the rehab. And thank God they did because I needed that community, like initially, like right away that like seeing that other people were doing this, like actually sober was amazing. And that really gave me some hope. So meeting new people, new women, um, you know, getting their phone number and calling them. I don't want to do that. But like, I didn't know what else to do. And it worked. Um, what else? Oh, I canceled my prescription in the pharmacy. And it sounds silly to some people like, oh, what do you mean you canceled? Like, big deal. But it was like I had a nervous breakdown because it was like, that was my love. Like, my, you know, like I had that there in case something happened and I needed it. Right. Like that's that how my is, mind was. That is so big. That really is. And you, you said it yourself. It's like, so some people, they may like be like, okay, like good for you, I guess. But like for us, <laughs> you know, I heard you say that. I'm like, oh my God, she, she did, she right? prescription, you know? Um, because mm -hmm. it's like that safety blanket that you have. And then you feel like you're, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm in the abyss now. Cause now that's gone. And now I got to do this. Oh man. It's like, now you're all in. Now you're, you know, you're all in, you got to do this. Well, yeah. And I do think there is something to that safety blanket, you know, and when you finally get rid of it, it's like the first time I got sober, um, I had like four beers still in my fridge and I like just left them in there. And I would tell people like, Oh, I have four beers in my fridge. That way, when I see them, it's a reminder to me of how far I've come. And I think, that, and it was just an excuse to have that safety blanket. And of course my relapse, and I ended up drinking those four. And this time that I got sober, which was my third time I had some beers in my fridge or yeah, in my fridge. And when I got, back from detox i immediately threw them away because similar to you like some people don't think that's a big deal but i knew if i had those there and i remember how hard it was to even throw those away like it was crazy because i didn't have that blanket now with alcohol it's a little different because i could always go to the grocery store or something like that but still i couldn't go to my fridge and i took that option away similar to you like you said with you know, getting rid of that prescription and we'll jump now to, you know, in 2016, you relapsed. How long were you back out for? You know, it's like so foggy to me and it was about a year. Um, it, it was about a year and it was, 
you know, it got to the IV use. Um, it got to fentanyl. Uh, uh, it was things I never, ever thought I would be doing. Shooting mm-hmm. crack, you know, and like, it just like it was me and my ex-husband, you know, and we had both been intern counselors at a rehab together. We had, we, we were like, knew what we were doing. Right. Like my ego was like, you know, it was out of control. And I was like huge in the AA and, um, got pregnant and I was three months pregnant when I relapsed and I decided I'm going to celebrate. We're getting married and I'm pregnant. We're going to celebrate by drinking. Like that's crazy as, f- you know, like that's, that's my mind. It's like I had a I had a really hard time even saying this and like coming out with the truth for a while. When I got sober, I didn't want to admit that that happened because it was yeah, like yeah. that. I despise that. You know, like that was like wow, horrible, yeah. you horrible mom. But but that was um, sorry. That was that was a that's just real life that just shows the addiction to me. Like I can't let up. But um, yeah, that's how crazy my my mind was yeah and that was it it's uh yeah the things the links that you'll go to it, it always it always baffles me and i i've had my you know my fair share of instances where i don't want to say it out loud i almost want to pretend that it didn't happen um mm-hmm. you know one just off the cuff thing that i can think of right now it, one of those instances where it just doesn't make sense at all and you think carson why like why would you do that and I remember Pat and I lost a dear friend of ours um, last year. He was in a treatment program with us and oh, sorry. he, it was cirrhosis of the liver. And so when I got that news, I got hammered and, you know, I, I spoke at his funeral and all I was doing when I was not at the, it was just drinking, 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 drinking. And it's like, okay, all the, all the facts and the stats add to the, they point towards this. Right. But I just had to have it. And so none of it made sense um, drinking before all of these, you know, events and work, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's just crazy. And you're like, you almost don't even want to say it out loud um, that I did mm-hmm. some of those things and I, I'm going to keep it there. Cause there are others that, you know, we'll get to another time, but yeah, it, it, it's pretty crazy. And then it, it's hard to admit it, but then once you do, and you're like, listen, like I'm not giving myself an out, but at the same time, it helps remind me of how big, big this disease is. Cause it really is so powerful. Yeah. Well said, well said. Yes, absolutely. It is. It's, it, it's baffling. Like I had no idea what I was up against, you know? So we weren't trained for this. I, I think of the day, you remember the dare program? <laughs> yes. I was like, so involved and I'm like about this. I'm like, yeah. you know, I remember having pictures wearing the shirt and everything and I'm like, right. Oh, never. I just, yeah, I just think about that and I'm thinking I, I love the intentions and and I, they probably have done a lot of good. I have no clue what the stats are or anything, but I, I just think like, man, hey, great idea. Let's keep that rolling maybe through like high school when we have more developed brains. I don't know. It's just because <laughs> maybe yeah. we'll listen. Uh, part, of, we part, of <laughs> part of something we've talked about all the time and, and with that D.A.R.E. program is like, I think there's such a lack of education of how easy it is to become addicted. I don't yeah. think we discuss or talk about, you know, when learning about drugs and alcohol, yeah, they're dangerous, but 
nobody talks about how quickly you can become addicted and and just how deadly and life altering that is. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. So you went through the relapse um, with pregnancy, everything you get sober again. Uh, What was your road to becoming a certified sobriety counselor? How did you fall into that? Um, that was a long, a long, a long journey. Um, okay. So I went through a treatment center when I got back over here, um, for outpatient. So I, I did the inpatient in West Palm, came back over here, did outpatient, um, for a while. And they lived they, I mean, they lived, I lived very close to the place, um, Treasure Island, and it was a newer rehab and the people that owned it were in recovery, kind of almost like my age, a, little, a couple of years older, a bro- brothers and a dad. Um, and so I went through the program and stayed there for months and you get close to the people, you know, um, and they're like, I was like, I want to work in recovery. I've always wanted to, I want to be like a therapist, like my whole life or, you know, like I, I was like a mess dreaming about this. Right. Um, and he's like, when you get a year sober, I will hire you. And I'm like, stop. But he did. He came to an AA meeting, um, that we would frequent. And he was like, Hey, we're opening a new treatment center house for the girls. Um, would you want to live there and be like a house mom? And I was like, yeah. So I did that for like a year until I couldn't do any more living with all these women. (laughs) That was hard you know, early sobriety, like still like a year, two years sober is hard. I bet you, know? you learned a lot though. Dang. Yeah. In that year. Yeah. So, like amazing. Yeah. So that's, so that's where I started. And then, um, you know, like he helped me get my license back. Like the owners did, like I was getting like literally like $50 a week because I'm like, you know, getting free rent and, um, you know, they're, they're training me at stuff in the office and drug tests. And so now I'm doing that. And, and I was like really hyper-focused on it. And then I did my meetings hardcore. I was like, I wanted to be like Mrs. AA. Um, I get very obsessive with things. So, um, like hardcore. Um, and then this counselor there or therapist, actually like a master's level therapist. He was just like, a genius to me and he's like I'll, I'll i'll start letting you do groups you know so that you can you know and then i'll i'll train you we'll do supervision and then that's how you get certified so i got my first certification um took a year and he had to like meet with me for an hour or two hours every week and it was just like a lot of intense um stuff and like i was so scared to like do a group and now i love it but um I got the certified behavioral health technician certification here in Florida in 2015. Um, so yeah, this was before, this was before the relapse. So this is like when I initially got sober. Okay. Cause then after that's when I relapsed. Um, so I've been through all of this and then relapsed um, after four years. Um, I just recently became the certified addiction counselor. It's like five or six years of, working in the treatment center, like you have to have all these things filled out of like every week you're training in this, 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 because I, I counseled at another treatment center for that long. So, and I did it's admissions it, for years too. It's interesting. You bring that up. Cause I just got put on, I just got um, added to a board of directors for a sober living uh, cool. a house. And 
they want me to lead groups. And I'm like, I've never done that. And so it's cool. it is a little nerve wracking to think about. But we're I'm excited for this because it's this kind of sober living house. It's the only one in the county, the county south where I live at. And it's just been kind of some guy that's just like finds random people coming out of detox is like, oh, you can live here. And wow. now we're getting it together, trying to get it more organized. And so it can, you know, we can reach more people and kind of have it a little bit more efficient, efficiently ran. So I'm super excited to try that. And it, it's interesting that you had brought that up and, you know, um, I'm not going to be living there or anything, but that had, that's where I had mentioned just kind of briefly, like, you know, when you live in that environment for a year as kind of the almost house mom and you have all these new people coming in and um, do you still look back on that time and, and try to reflect it on what you learned and, and how those people kind of taught you about your life and recovery? Oh yeah. So so I've consistently worked in treatment since then and just done different positions. Um, and so it was like, that's the first thing you start at when you work at a rehab. Like everybody's got to go through the tech, you know, you got to be like the house, house, um, not house mom, but like, you know, behavioral health technician. Like they, yeah. you know, you got to do this, drive them around, do that. Like I had a breathalyzer in my car cause I had DUI and it was like years later and I'm like driving around with the clients and the boss is like, like literally laughing at me like this is a good lesson though and i was like i'm embarrassed and he's like this is real life this is yep. recovery and i'm like god um so it was like it, it was like things took so much time but um i just i just kept doing it like so then now like um you know i have like a caseload and and meet with clients once a week um and it's not, they're not inpatient. So they're not as acute, you know? And, and so I'm used to that. I'm used to, I worked with veterans for years at the last place. And so I'm used to like more acute and like, um, you know, detoxing and, and coming off of stuff like initially. And I don't know, I learned so much about life, like, like doing that. Like I instinctively know things now. And like, I work with people and I forget that not everybody's had that experience and, and been in, into that, you know, in the trenches and, you know, and I just like, will say stuff and I forget that, like, you know, it's not like common knowledge all the time. Like all this, if that makes sense, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, It makes perfect sense. One thing I was going to mention, it's still a good timing for it, but you were, you know, throughout your path and your journey, not only in addiction yourself, but helping others pre and post the relapse in 2016. Um, I'm sure you've thought about this before, but I always find it funny how there seems to be there's a slow transition as we not only mature, but also become more familiar with everything in the chaos of this environment where things don't surprise us anymore. And I'm sure that you noticed, you know, maybe at the beginning when you were either attending, you know, programs yourself or running them where someone would say something, tell, tell you about their lives and you'd be like, holy shit, that's the, that's so crazy. How did that happen to now? It's almost, and this is me making an assumption that you're like this. Right. I think it's a fair one though. And now, you know, you're you right. do things and it doesn't phase you. Not that it takes anything out of the severity of their situation, but it's like, no, we're so trained and programmed and we hear this stuff. And it, it almost becomes like this, this flat level on emotions of, all right, we're just thinking about how we can help and how we can fix it. 
Exactly. Uh, yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. And, and that's not said enough. Um, you know, it's almost like my world has become so much of this though. And, you know, it is toxic to a certain extent if, if I let it, you know what I mean? So it's like, I, I have to like really watch myself and like try to make sure I'm balanced because, um, things are so normalized to me, like things, you know, and I'll laugh about things like, Oh, I'm like, Oh yeah. And I said in front of my mom, like, I'll be like, yeah, prison. Ha ha. And she's like, that is not funny at all. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Cause it's like, that wasn't me. It's like a whole different life. It's 10 years ago. It's funny now we, we hit the, yeah. we, the statute of limitations is over. Cause it's outrageous to me. Like how the addiction is. Yeah. And it's like, wow. Well, even, even for like, I was thinking like, when I was just telling you that about, you know, things not facing us as much anymore. And I agree, by the way, I agree about the balance that you mentioned. It's like, okay, but I still got to be human. Um, <laughs> but like, even like, let's say five years ago, we were doing this, this podcast. Now, I don't know why we'd be doing it because that's the whole reason we're here, but that's besides the point. <laughs> and you had mentioned being in prison. I wouldn't have thought anything of you like in a bad way, but I would have been more like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And it's not to take yeah, away from anything about the severity of that, but you said it, it doesn't phase me. Not, none of that phases me anymore. And it's just so funny how that kind of has happened over the past couple of years. It's like, yeah, it's weird. yeah that, this crazy fucking shit happens all the time. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's any better, but we understand, but it's, but, but I think it just provides this comfortability in us knowing that we're going to be okay. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Well, yeah, that's similar to, you know, like you're talking about, like, you know, how that's normalized when we watched Carson and I, we did a video reaction on our podcast from this lady. It was body cam footage. She was a teacher and she got arrested in uh, her elementary school for drinking oh. and she blew like a point two four or something. And in the comment section, people were like, it's I can't believe this. She could have killed somebody driving to and from school. And. You know, I put on there, I said, I don't think you realize that people, alcoholics and addicts, they constantly are driving under the influence. And I was like, I think, you know, I would say a given 10 to 15 percent of all cars on the roadway at any given time, somebody's in the under the influence. And like that should scare me, but it doesn't because it's just like, yeah, it's just kind of normal of how it happens in life. And because I was there, I was the one always, yeah. I always had beer with me. Yeah, always. But but also, there's the other side of it. It's like she's she's not trying. She's not being malicious. I'm not saying that she should be exonerated from everything and that you no can do no no. Wrong. But at the same time, no, I, I'm not saying you're saying that. I'm talking about the comments. Oh, okay, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about what you said, Pat. I'm talking about when people go in. But it's when you don't have that empathy because you you don't have that understanding. It's so easy to crucify somebody. When in all reality, hey, should she still be disciplined for it? Like, yeah, yeah, because right. that's just the way that it should go. However, let's let's ease up on the on the comments and on the the these um incredibly educated opinions that are right. not educated at all on what is actually happening because you have no idea, you have no clue what is going through in her between her ears. Yeah, it's there's, there's so much like when I, when I tell people, like when I was, when clients would like, you know, when I do group and 
you know, I don't really self-disclose too much, obviously, because it's not good to to say, hey, blah, 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 and your story and everything. But they would catch on to little things. And, you know, they're smart, obviously. Like, they're listening to everything. And they'd be like, you don't look like you've been to prison. Like, you're just joking, right? Like, just things like that. And I just, like, laugh. But um, it's kind of crazy. It's like, yeah, I don't – I mean – I didn't think that either, <laughs> you yeah. know, like that's crazy to me. Um, I don't know. And, and just to see like how your mind can go from like, you're, we we're talking about the dare program and like, I'm like, you know, this is like, I was a good kid, like really good grades, like goody, goody, um, teacher's pet, um, uh, just like a really good kid. And then all of a sudden it was like, I wanted to be accepted and, um, you know, liked by the boys and then there's high school and then boom. And then all of a sudden I'm like, like I'm in this, like, here I am, like I'm doing this, this, and this, and it escalates quickly, you know, like I didn't even know what was wrong with me. Like I thought there was something wrong with me. I didn't know that it was addiction. Like I didn't understand. Yeah. Well, that I- on one of your YouTube videos I was watching, you had brought up, like, you know, a lot of people talk about addictions, like, you know, what triggered you to use? And you're like, well, I don't know. Like I, I didn't ever, you know, there's not a point in time I can say, well, this is why I used because of, you know, this something happening to me. And, you know, I've said it too, kind of the same way is I drank and a lot and you just don't think about it to all of a sudden I have no coping skills in life because all my coping skills are involved using and all of a sudden you're a trying to be a functioning adult and you basically have no emotions and no coping skills, no any kind of coping mechanisms whatsoever other than using. And it's so hard when you get sober to you got to like learn those things. It's like, you know, you start by crawling and then learning how to walk and learning how to develop those emotions and those coping skills and learning that there is more to life than alcohol or drugs and you know it's it's awesome to kind of go through it but it's tough and i'm sure you see it all the time with you know we kind of started this podcast i think our first episode i was 90 days sober and carson was 60 because i was like there's nothing out there where people are talking about their experience in early sobriety as they're going through it and now you know I'm almost two years in, which isn't, you know, so I still consider myself still fairly early on. And, but we still try to speak to those that are 30, 60, 90, 120 days in, or are not, you know, on that cusp of, I really need help. What do I do? I don't need, um, I, I, I just don't know what to do. So what some advice you would give to somebody that is, you know, let's say 30 days in, 60 days in on a, on their very beginning journey of recovery? Oh, good question. Um, so it's like a roller coaster and I'm sorry, but it's normal. Um, and it's going to be okay. And it will level out. Um, that was the hardest for me, the emotions coming out that I've been stuffing for so long. And this is still hard for me years later, you know, and I just, I, I made another video about it uh, and I did not want to do that. And that's why I did it um, because I don't like feelings. And especially early on 30, 60, 90 days, 
that was really tough. You know, everything's coming out sideways. It's been like I've been self-medicating, self-medicating for so long. Right. Like I'm covering everything up like I'm using I'm using anything like it's not even just drugs and alcohol. It is whatever to like to try to like sidestep uncomfortable feelings like everything's uncomfortable for me. Like I cannot handle it. It's like something I don't know if I've noticed it's very common with us. And, you know, I don't know if it's like us. (laughs) It sounds crazy. But I mean, like I I get uncomfortable. I'm like, uh uh-uh, I'm not. No, I can't do this. Yeah, I got to do something. I was going to say earlier um, when you were talking about your entry into the um, addiction world from from the other side. And you're getting licensed and all that. And then Pat was mentioning the board. I was, I was going to say just number one, it's, you know, great. It's a, it's a wonderful thing that you guys are doing, but number two, it's such a phenomenal way, even though we hate it to work through this um, emotionally and that's seeking discomfort, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's incredible to me how you, you get super uncomfortable and like everything that you're saying, but when you come through it, it feels awesome. And you're like, damn it. Why did, why does it have to be like this? Why do I have to seek out, you know, something that pisses me off and makes me feel all weird in order to get the effects of it? Um, But it's just so true. I just loved hearing you say that. Thanks. Um, You know, and, and I was doing drugs that I did not even like, I'm not like a stimulant person. (laughs) Like I'm doing like crack. Like I don't like that. And so I'd get high and be like, I want to die. You know, like I did not. I don't like that, but it's like, I realize like I will do anything to get outside of myself or to like feel differently. And realizing that that was like a problem was like, oh, like when I realized like, that's what I'm doing. Like, I don't like myself. Like what's, what is really going on? And then I'm like, dude, it doesn't even matter. Like what the substance is. Like I, I, like I did, I did everything. And there's always like periods of time where I'm like, I'm going to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I'm going to feel like, figure out the perfect combination Mm -hmm. to where I can live my life like comfortably numb. And it's like, Mm -hmm. there were no good times either though. Like, and I couldn't handle things. Like I thought that I needed these substances to like handle things, but like I would go- get outrageous. Like, I, like everything's blown out of proportion when I was under the influence. So like looking at that now, it's kind of funny, I guess, to look at it and be like, it was doing the exact opposite. Yep. Like I can handle whatever now. And I'm like, I freak out a little bit, you know, but nowhere near. Yep. Like, I drink before doing running errands. Cause I thought I had to, but lo yeah. and behold, I'd be in a parking lot. I get so pissed at, it's somewhat, and I'm like, and you, yeah, I completely agree with that. And you're like, <laughs> why, how did I, I was so angry for however many years. And yet that's because of what I was doing prior to that, running the errands or whatever it is, um, in order to prevent that anger. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, that doesn't add up, but I'm not going to stop. No, <laughs> that'd be, that'd be <laughs> stupid. That doesn't make sense. Why would I stop? <laughs> So much pain. I had to be in so much freaking pain. Yeah. Yeah. No Gosh. way. Yeah. It's, it, it, it works in a, just a, a, a crazy, mysterious, insane way. And I think that it's, uh, it's always good to know whenever we speak with, with people that, that get it quite frankly, um, that, you know, we're never gonna, we're never gonna understand it. Um, 
but with the with the culmination of all of us and all of our, all of our experiences and and talking on you know these podcasts and and with all the work that you do and all your platforms, hey man, we're just yeah we have enough to where we can navigate through it. So I guess that's all we need. Well, and I'll tell newcomers sometimes I'm like, hey, if you just got to white knuckle it to get through the day, white knuckle it to get through the day, get to the next day. Sometimes that's just what you have to do, uh, unfortunately. And hell yeah. It is better than the alternative. Yes. Right. Because we didn't know what I didn't know what I was doing. So like it was white knuckling for a while. Like, you know, it was looking at the clock literally and just being like, all right, just just another hour. Just like and my mind was like already relapsed before I left. And I thought like, well, if my mind's already ready to go, that means that like I still have to go like and use. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, where you're like, you're in relapse. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, no, I didn't. It's like, no, calm down, Lindsay. Like you didn't do anything yet. It's just a thought you can, you can stop. And so it's like going through those tough moments and those cravings and uncomfortable feelings. And then it adds up and it adds up and you keep getting through it. And then you're finally like, damn, like I'm okay. Like it goes away. It's crazy. You know? Yeah. So I I'd always, say, hold on. Yeah. I always say if, if recovery was, if it didn't get, you know, if you think of how you felt in your first six months of sobriety and recovery, if it stayed like that, nobody would be able to stay sober oh. because it's so hard. But it and you think people are nuts when they're like, it gets easier, it gets easier because it, it does. And that's how people are doing it, because if it was like that white knuckling, you know, that you do sometimes early on, it'd be you know, damn near impossible to stay sober, but it, it almost wouldn't be a life worth living if it were that bad always. No. Yeah. And, but Absolutely it gets not. so much easier. And, you know, I, I think that's a lot of the reason why I like doing this is to give those hope people hope that are, you know, they're at like day 63 and they just want to punch everybody in the face because they're <laughs> struggling so much. And it's like, keep doing the right thing and you're going to make it through. I just want, yeah, I want to add something that, that is exactly right. Like, you know, when I had like the faith that I had was like, if I just stay sober and I don't pick up and I get through those uncomfortable feelings and then it's the next day and like, you know, it keeps adding up. And, and that is like, that's my faith that like things will work out if I don't pick up and it, it's worked out. Like I just know. It's, it's true. Like if I just don't pick up and, and, you know, now it's like, okay, I'm dealing with uncomfortable feelings and like things that happen in life, but it's like, it's so manageable now. Like, like, and if I thought about getting high, I don't know that I could, I don't think I could stay sober. Like, I don't, I just couldn't like, so it's like, a, it, it, it went away fairly quickly once I got down to business and just when I really wanted to stop and I did, and I, went to meetings and I said, I'm going to do this and I canceled my prescription and I'm like, I'm fully committed to change. It, it wasn't that much longer after to where it's like, I don't think about it anymore. You know? Yeah. And for me, it was, you know, I relapsed twice and it's like, all right, this is my third time trying this. I've tried everything I could think of to just be an average normal drinker. And guess what? I just can't, um, right. you know, and it, and it was, you know, I was able to admit that I had a problem, but it wasn't until I finally accepted that I have a problem 
this third time that I was able to stay sober that my mind didn't start wondering every time I walked into a store saying I could go grab a beer and nobody would know. Like it was more in my head that, but you can't, you just can't do it. You've tried, you can't. And Mm -hmm. every time you try, you just fail. So I got to the point where I just accepted the fact that, you know what? I'm never going to be able to drink again. And I know sometimes when you say you're not supposed to say ever again and, you know, one day at a time, but, and I try to break it down simpler, but in the grand scheme of things in the back of my head, I just know I'm just never going to be able to do it again. I've lost my privilege to drink and that is perfectly okay. Yeah. Like we're like, we're, I don't, it's not that I can't drink because I, I sure as hell could go drink and and mess up my life right now. It's like, Mm -hmm. We aren't like, I don't drink, you know, yeah. I don't use drugs anymore. And it's yeah. like, yeah, we're, we're three of us are grown ass adults and <laughs> we have the money to go to the gas station and get any drink we want for as little a price as we want. Right. It, it's not, it's not rocket science and it's um, very doable any given time. Yeah. I will mess up my life. Like, like you were just talking about Pat, like, like I know I can't because bad shit's going to happen instantly. Like, because it has in like history as a way of repeating itself. Right. Oh, a (laughs) hundred percent. And being sober and living a normal life is awesome because I don't have kids. I'm not married. Like I'm not really going to disappoint anybody other than myself. If I went out there and started drinking, but I think my life's too valuable to go and waste it and just be miserable the rest of my life. And, and, you know, honestly, if I go back out and start drinking again, I would give myself a year before I'm probably dead anyways. And I don't want that (laughs) at all. So, um, last thing I do want to bring up with you is your YouTube channel. Um, you got a lot of videos on there, a lot of different guests and stuff. Talk about that a little bit. How'd you get that started? Okay. Um, so it's been like two or three months. Um, it's, it's um I change it to recover from addiction is the uh what do you call it a handle or whatever? Yeah, tube name. Um so I don't even know like how I came up with doing this, but I was like, I don't want I'm self-conscious, I don't want to do the video and all this. And then I was like, dude, it's not about you. Like, just stop. Like, so I'm like, okay. My friend said, Why why are you just just do it. Who cares? And I'm like, okay. So then I just started talking and like saying whatever, you know, like, cause I, I, I'm so used to doing the groups and I miss doing that. Like I don't get to do groups anymore. So I'm like, I want to talk about recovery more and like in that kind of way, you know, yeah. not just one-on-one. And so it's like become part of my process. So, you know, selfishly it's for me, <laughs> but I wanted to, um, my big, my big message is like, you don't have to go to a fancy rehab. You don't have to um, do a certain way to get sober. You just got to do something that find something that works for you. Um, community is huge. Like these are like basic things that we all need. Like we all need community sober supports. Like we all need education, obviously on, on what we're going through, like in, in whether or not, it's a disease. It's not a disease. Like there, there's so many arguments and things and, and we can get into the weeds. And I was like, I don't want it to be about that. Like, I just want to talk about like solution based, like, this is what, this is what I did. This is like how, what they did. This is this, this is that. And then just talking about different topics. Like, so maybe I can help someone that's 
can't go to rehab. Like there was a time, you know, when I relapsed, I couldn't go to rehab. Like I didn't have insurance anymore. And like I had a baby, you know, so like I was kind of I, I went to AA and I was like yelling at everybody in there because I'm like, I don't want to fucking be back here. And I hate you all. And you're happy. And fuck you. And, yep. you know, but rehab's not cheap for anyone who hasn't been. Mm hmm. Not and no. like, so that's what I do. So it's like, I, I, I'm in school to be a therapist. I do all these things. Like, why would I not do this for my own recovery? Because like, I, I hate helping people. Like, I don't like doing it, but like I have to, or I'm going to get high. Cause it's kind of what happened before. Like selfishly I'm helping people. <laughs> well, a lot, a lot of the you things know? you, you just said aligns with the reasons why we did the podcast, right? we we just started talking. You, you said, oh, yeah, I just started talking. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what we did. And we, and Pat and I also agree, you know, it's, it's, it's for our listeners, but it's also just as much for us. It's part of our process and it's how mm-hmm. he and I are going to help each other and ourselves stay sober. hundred percent. And I could yeah. talk about addiction all day long. Like yes, just, Pat could. Pat's a right. Right. I love talking about it. I love learning about it. I love everything to do with addiction and what our brains are going through during it, why we do it, um, how we are just so self-destructive in it, and how quickly we can turn it around and become you know, successful members of society. I, I remember thinking one time, this was not long before I got sober um, because I I was in a pretty bad space. Like I was like, you know, broke and had like, you know, like um, how am I going to pay rent and stuff like that? And like, if I had a gun, I could just end it. Thank God I don't own a gun. And you get sober and you're like, that's not like a real major problem to actually have. Like it, I was just spending all my money on alcohol. Like I can pay rent now. Like, you know, <laughs> Like these little problems that are so minute and small seem like the biggest thing ever because your brain is so fucked when you're in active addiction. And then you get sober and you're like, well, that actually isn't that big of a deal. It, that it, literally it really matter. easy to solve that. <laughs> so true. That's, that is so true. Yeah. You know, it's like so crazy to think like I'm a normal like citizen. Like I like. I bought a house like I just yeah. paid property taxes. What the fuck? <laughs> like, like I was like, you know, shooting dope in my car, like and like doing crazy shit. And and now I'm like. Just instinctively yeah. living like I'm OK. I'm a I valued citizen of society now. Yeah, <laughs> I know plenty of people who to meet were homeless when they got sober. Yeah. Homeless, jobless. Now they are homeowners. Car owners have been at the same company forever. And that's what I mean. Like, that's why I love talking about it so much because it can happen. You can turn things around so quickly. There's never a point where it's too late to change. That's powerful. As, lo- as long as you're still breathing, right? Yeah. Yeah. There, there is a point where you can't turn around anymore. And that's when, you know, you die, unfortunately. But until that point, you can still turn it around. Yep. Yeah. We have every chance. Yep. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's just beautiful, though, because it really is just like people helping each other. Like, that's how we do it. Yep. That's the biggest part of it, I think, you know, like this. And and X has a, you know, people like that don't go on there and like aren't social media people that I'm friends with. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no. I'm like, the recovery space on there is insane. Like, it's cool as fuck. 
Yeah. I'm like, it's, it helps me like, like, I don't know if people think like, they like say thank you to me. I'm like, no, no, no. You understand? Like this shit keeps me going because like, I need an outlet. Like I have, I can't let, you know, like my clients and, and everything like that's separate, you know, like this, I need something for me to be like, Hey, like I'm struggling. Like I'm having fucking like hard time just with like emotions and life, like help, <laughs> you know? If you go, if anybody out there is listening, you're like, oh, I, you know, you're, you're not a social media person or something like that. Start Twitter and just tweet like I am 30 days sober today. And then just put in their hashtag recovery posse. You will get 500 comments. Um, It is, I mean, or you could just say, I'm really struggling with this. Any suggestions? You'll have so many people reach out to you. It is a wonderful, no judgment space. And it, you can find anybody at any time that would talk to you and help you through what you're going through because we've all been through it and it's an awesome, awesome place. And um, I always try to tell people that all the time, like, you know, Twitter's and I still say Twitter. I know it's X. I was like their recovery um, area of that, you know, you just go to like the recovery posse or, you know, you type in a few hashtags, you don't there's nothing negative. You know, you think of social media and all the negative uh, stuff that's on there, not in the recovery space. There isn't, it's all so powerful and uplifting. Yeah. It, it is crazy how it's like a little judgment free zone and a judgment for air. It's a super, <laughs> super judgment world. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's so true. So, so we need to get Elon to use that for like a tagline or something. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's when you think Twitter or X, it's like, why the hell would I want to get on there? People are just going to freaking, it's going to be a roast sesh, <laughs> but not for a sobriety community. So it's a little sliver, a little sliver of, uh, of hope in there, which I, well, just I know, absolutely I know, love. I know myself, if I see somebody, you know, I watch a lot of court stuff and things like that. And if I see somebody that's obviously, um, has an addiction issue, like I have so much empathy for them compared to somebody else. Like, I, I was yeah. never like a huge judgmental person, but I remember I used to always think like um, when I was younger, like how could somebody stick a needle in their arm? Like how do you get to that point? And then what yeah, you I become, just think about that with people with tattoos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. It's so and, true. And then you get to the point where, you know, you become an addict to yourself. You're like, oh, that's how. Okay. That makes sense now. <laughs> right, I, that I checks out. That checks yeah. out. Yep. I get it. Oh shit. Yeah. I just, I like X because a lot of people are, we're all like on the same page. I mean, there's, there's very rarely someone that comes in being hostile. Like I just, you just don't see it really. I mean, and if it is like, they're just someone's struggling or whatever, if that's the case, you know, it's like something's going on. But, um, I think like the message that is on there too, is like, you don't have to recover one way, like just be here and just like reach out and like, like it's all inclusive, you know, and as cheesy as it sounds, it's like, I don't, I don't care what your political, um, stance is. Like, I don't care who you voted for. I don't, I don't care. Like you're rich or poor. I don't give a shit what you do for a living, but like, you know, I've made like actual friends on there. Mm -hmm. Like that crazy. Like people I talk to all the time, like, like I know them. Yeah. We have people you know, we have uh, a couple of people that they always send us messages and they live in, you yeah. know, England and yeah. Australia. And That's it's cool. just like, you know, it, it's awesome to have that. And I agree. It, it's very, it's the only thing 
like you said, yeah, we don't talk about politics either. We don't talk really about religion. And I know there's a lot of spirituality that comes in with um, recovery. We don't bring it up because I don't want anybody listening to hear that and say, well, I'm not going to listen to that. And I try to tell people the same thing about like 12 step meetings in AA and they're like, oh, it's a religious thing. I'm like, no, it's more spiritual. Don't let that be a roadblock in your way of trying to get sober. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No. It, yeah. And, and Lindsay, to your point, what you just mentioned a second ago, I love how when it comes to the community um, and I've thought about this before and kind of like used it as an analogy, but think about all like the group of people that you're referring to when you say, hey, we talk all the time. Like I know them. I, I can almost guarantee you that they wouldn't necessarily, all of them at least, are not going to be necessarily people that you would have, they wouldn't have been the first people you would have associated with, right? They don't right. all look like you. We're gravitated to people that are like us. Like that right. is just a simple fact. It is human nature. But you think about all the people you grew up with at school and at work. Why were you friends? Well, yes, you had things in common, but a lot of those people, it's because you had a central thing that you had yeah. in common. Now, when we leave work or we leave school or whatever, like you kind of lose touch and you don't necessarily have that access or that, you know, to make it even more comfortable to, to meet people that aren't like you, but yeah. with this you do. So I think about all the people that I've met in recovery that I'm very close with that I never on the side of the street, I never would have imagined just because it's just not, that's just not how it works. Right. And right. It, isn't that, just, I just love how cool that is. It, well, we just so many different people, different backgrounds, different views, doesn't freaking matter. Um, it's a great way for us to expand our horizons and our relationships, well, and learn more. Yeah, Carson, me and you fun. met in rehab. That's the only reason we cool. know each other and do oh, this. I thought, yeah, I would, I would, yeah, I would fucking hate Pat if I met him on the side of the street, <laughs> but, but because we were in rehab, look at us now, two peas in a pod doing a podcast together, two peas in a podcast. Cool. I should have said that. Um, <laughs> So, but yeah, it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. And I just, I love it so much. It's like, Hey, do I wish that, you know, all of this had happened? Like maybe not, but I can certainly take advantage of the platform slash the relationships and all the connections that I have now within this community with other people that, that get it. It's, yeah. it's freaking awesome. Yeah. I would love for you guys to uh, come on my YouTube one day. Maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. Let us fun. know anytime. Um, you want to do that and we'll, we'll keep in touch. And, cool. um, it was awesome, awesome having you on there. Um, and everybody listening, if you check the show notes, you will find, uh, Lindsay's information for her Twitter handle and her YouTube channel and everything there. That way you can go and check her out. Lindsay, we really appreciate it. Thank yes. you. I appreciate Thanks, you guys. This was Thank awesome. You. Appreciate it. All right. Um, yeah, Lindsay, if you could email me over your 